Tomorrow we'll preview the men's basketball game, which is Wednesday night. We'll do a lot more on the men's team. I kind of shortchanged them yesterday. There were a couple of reasons. We had a lot of highlights from women's basketball, but also was having serious internet issues here in the hotel room, as in I couldn't get it. So I was recording the stuff up here. I was running down to a lobby to make sure I uploaded the show, and it was all just getting done at the last second, and that's why uh, I sort of sped through and missed out on some things. In fact, I wanted to mention one thing that I didn't get on the show because I just wanted to make sure it got on the air primarily, and that was what happened at the Lightning game over the weekend. I love the fact that the Lightning have such a great relationship with USF. And, of course, Alexis Buckman, who is battling cancer, brain cancer of the softball team, was able to be at the game. And it was good to see Greg Wolf, of course, who does the USF in-game promotions there at the Yingling Center for Basketball, does the same for Lightning, does a fantastic job. Really hype her up, and she was able to fire off the Tesla coils and got a great reaction. And that's something I definitely wanted to mention. I got my Buck Strong for Alexis Buckman, of course wristband sporting it here in the Bahamas we are staying buck strong also it was good to see the Buccaneers last night on national television put down the New York Giants yeah we were watching that after a full day of work and enjoying a Bucks victory so a lot to enjoy from this game and even more from the second quarter on but that's how it's been for the Bulls here in the Bahamas as they went two and one and got a big win over a top 10 team. Now, as we mentioned several times in the broadcast, and you'll hear the full details on the replay, it's worth mentioning. Now, imagine if the Bulls were playing without their point guard, Aliza Pinzon, three-point shooter in Sidney Harvey, and a power forward in Betty Menunga. Well, basically, Oregon had the same thing going on, and they were without Niara Saboli. That was the big one. She is their leading returning scorer and rebounder. She's the one who scored 30 points in their first game here against Oklahoma, but has been going through a knee injury. I think she'll be back for their return to play. They don't play again until December the 1st. But the other two players that might miss another month and then be ready for conference play, basically when January hits, are their point guard, Tahani Pow-Pow. And boy, did they miss her yesterday. More on that in just a little bit. She led the country as far as freshmen go in assist to turnover last year. And Oregon last year was fourth in the country as a team in that category. Collectively, over the last five years, the Ducks lead the nation. Best assist to turnover ratio. That's why what the Bulls did to them yesterday was so stunning. They were also with that another player, India Rogers, a transfer from USC who averaged 15 points a game, was seventh in the Pac-12 in scoring. She hasn't played yet due to a hand injury. So still, they have plenty of talent, plenty of height. They're just putting in players that... Average, you know, two points a game last year into their starting lineup and needing some scoring from some other areas. Now, they gave South Carolina a nice little push in the second half with a couple of their bench players. So they have the players on their roster, but with the team that Oregon put out, it was, I was saying it, you heard it if you listened, kind of necessary for the Bulls to win this game. This would have been not a quote-unquote bad loss, but they needed to take care of business. And in the first quarter, they were down 18-13. But guess what? They were also down 18-13 to after one quarter against Syracuse and won by 24. And coincidentally, they were down 18-14 after the first quarter against UConn. But there were some highlights in the first quarter. To me, the big ones came near the end. Elise Hurst, who was a transfer from New Mexico, hit a couple of threes and put them up 10-4. to But Dulce Fankham Mengiadu, who in her first five games for the Bulls had yet to get it going, was only shooting about 30%. Did score 14 points against Alabama State, but followed that up with 1, 4, and 2 against Tennessee, Syracuse, and UConn. So this 
was big to me and a sign of things to come in this game, and hopefully for the season. Coming out of the timeout, they go to the free throw line. Chinecki immediate pass off to Sidney Harvey. That was a called play. We said the Bulls can get the three-point shots going. Elena Chinecki flashes to the free throw line, fakes the drive, gets it over to Sidney Harvey, who has been masterful from three-point land this year. Two wide-open threes given up by the Bulls. That was a little unusual from Chinecki. I think she likes to pull from middle to the right. That might not have been her spot. This would be big. That's a great shot and a great pass by Maria to Fanka Mengiadu. She can make those shots around the painted area. She just hasn't gotten off to a good start yet for the Bulls. She pulls them to win within 12 to 11. She's just hitting on 30% so far this year, but looking to turn that around. And another turnover for the Oregon Ducks. That is number seven, two, three with Chi in the middle with those big arms extended. Maria top of the key, now Manunga slips out for an open three. They'll give that to her, and it's long. Pinto with the rebound for the Ducks. Over to Hurst, she's not made more than two threes all year. She was right in front of me, she must have heard me, 15 to 11. So Alyssa Hurst makes it a four point lead, but up the court pins on to Dulce Fankamengiadu. And I'm telling you folks, if that can change today, if Dulce can start to get those Scoring stats up, that would be huge, 15 to 13. First quarter, Oregon, which would follow that up with a three, was four of four on threes. Hurst was three for three. She had not made more than two in a game all year long, so that was starting to get on my nerves. But, hey, the second quarter would start off pretty strong for the Bulls. Another turnover. Pins on over to Harvey. It's going straight up and straight down. That's a big-time pass by Pinzon, and Sydney Harvey has her second make from three. And the ball's back to within two, 18 to 16. The Ducks have turned it over nine times. Man, do they miss their starting point guard, Pow Pow. They're having to turn to Shear, who's right in front of me. I'll say nice things about her. Okay, Shear, who's not doing well handling the ball. And she travels. <laughs> Are you kidding? Boy, Kelly Graves is going to have to make a change on his end, and he's going to bring Hurst in. I wouldn't be surprised if she supplants Shear, and that's exactly what just happens. Chinecki drives around and puts it up and lays it just off, but there's Dulce fighting for the board, and that rims in. That has been the story of this game. Dulce Fankamengiadu is three for three from the floor. Hurst tries to run, blocked by Fankamengiadu. This is great to see. Bulls have tied it up. 18 apiece. Incidentally, seven turnovers in each of the first two quarters, and their second-year player from Kentucky, Maddie Shearer would get pulled. She would only play scant minutes the rest of the way. There was a little offensive lull that followed. There were eight and a half minutes left when Dulce made it 18 to 18. About two and a half minutes later, the scoring would pick back up, and this was a nice little surge by the Bulls in the second quarter. Screen from Shea, almost a moving screen. Maria gets Harvey popping. That's going up. Good looking shot and knocks it down. Sydney Harvey breaks the drought for both teams, and the Bulls have their first lead of the day at 21 to 18. Pinzon is out with Wilson in for the Bulls with 10 on the shot clock. They jump out on her, Harvey a long three, and that one's no good. Shea had position, Dulce gets it instead, foul and one! Dulce Fankamengiadu coming to the party here in the Bahamas. 23 to 19. Shea Leverett wants to send it inside the Dulce. They push her out of the paint. Now Sadagorejo into the game for the Bulls with 10 on the shot clock handling it. Oh, what a bounce pass to Dulce. Great assist by Sarah. And Fankamengiadu has 11 points. Now Pinto wants to run the other way. Guerrero deflects the ball. Shea Leverett gets the ball and a frustration foul on the Ducks. It's 26-21 Bulls. Not a long stint there for Guerrero, but a nice little margin push up to five points there. Unfortunately, 
the Bulls would stagnate offensively and only score one more basket the rest of the way in the half, and Sidney Harvey supplied a 29-25 lead, but the Ducks scored, and after all that, we were 29-27 at the half, and the big story was the turnovers on the other side. Oregon was actually hitting 50% of its shots, did not make a three in the second quarter. Sidney Harvey had 14 points at the half, Fankham and Giotto had 11, but that was 25 of the Bulls' 29. Elisa Pinzon only had four points. No one else scored. Well, Pinzon would start scoring. The weird thing was Elena Chinecki had a goose egg 0 for 5. That would change in the third quarter. Took a few minutes for the margin to start to increase, but it did. Pinzon lofts it inside of Anunga at the free throw line. They get out on her. Right back to Pinzon, an open three. That's going to be there, and she knocks it down. That's a big shot for Elisa Pinzon. Her first three attempt of the day. Bulls are now 4 for 11, but Harvey had been the only one to make one, and it's a 32 to 27 lead. Chinecki's got a look up. Harvey's up ahead of the pack and throws it right to Hurst. That is a bad pass by Chinecki now. The Ducks try to go the other way. Parrish, Dulcie makes her shot tough, but she still makes it. 32-29. So the Bulls had a five-point lead and the ball. They're still going to break with it. Dulcie's the pump fake, and one! That was a pass by Pinzon, and Dulcie Fankamengiadu has officially arrived as a USF Bull here on day three in the Bahamas. So that stays as their highest lead of the day at five. Dulcie on the flash, Pinzon with the look, and another bucket for Dulcie. Give both ends credit there, Pinzon with her fifth assist, and Fankamengiato with the move. She is getting past Sedona Prince. And the Bulls, again, for the fourth time, I believe, now with a five-point lead. They've never been able to extend it past that. Now Shear looks to drive, tough shot, rims out. Thought that was going down. 6.55 to go here in the third quarter. Bulls, can they extend it beyond five? Pins on off the inbounds to Chinecki and the goose egg burst and the largest lead of the day. It's 38-31 Bulls. Nice baseline jump jumper for L. Trying to beat the taller Ducks down the floor while they're still waddling. Actually, they do have a three-guard alignment out there right now. Pinto, Defissi, and Hurst. Rip it across to Pinzon. Good defense by Hurst. Tries to dribble around the trees. Out to Harvey for an open three. Good! Sydney Harvey with her fourth main three of the day. And the Bulls have their largest lead looking great here in the third-place game of the battle for Atlantis. Oregon calls timeout. That's 41-31 with 6.05 to go. They made four of five shots. They missed their next 10, got some wide open looks from three. They started to not fall, and you started to get nervous as Oregon cut it down to four. But the third quarter ended in the right way. They needed this, folks. 43-39. Bulls will hold for the last shot. Oregon will get the ball to start the fourth quarter. So this is important. Man, Christina Bromeo had a fast break layup. She had a lot of steam behind her, so it wasn't easy but it would have made it an eight-point game. Instead, it's four. Bulls will hold, pins on far from the basket. Big three going up, no good. Chinecki's got the rebound. She's got a chance to put it up. Pins on at the horn, and a bank shot! Lucky, and we'll take it. Elena Chinecki got the rebound with two seconds on the clock and should have shot it. She didn't. She gave it up to Pinzon, who got rid of it right away. As I said, that was fortunate, and without it, I don't know how things unfold in the fourth quarter. I do know how things unfolded in actuality. First of all, Pinzon would start to hit straight on threes, and the Bulls would go up by 17 points. That shot you just heard ended up keying what would be a 15-2 to run. Enjoy. Now, Dulcie's doing all this scoring. Is that 
instead of Betty. No, they can coexist. They can be out there at the same time on the court with Betty playing the four and Dulcie the five. Got to watch her. She's feeling it, drives in, and Dulcie blocks her shot and pins on, gets the rebound. Dulcie Fankamengiadu with four blocks. Definitely the player of the game. Pins on left wide open for a three. Good! Elisa pins on. 51-41. Bulls have equaled their biggest lead of the day, and Pinzon didn't need the bank that time. Cooper 13. He is chasing down Harvey and Dulcie all of a sudden, who are both on 17 to lead the way. Watson far away from the basket. They'll let her out there. Parrish with Chinecki playing some tight defense, man-to-man. Mananga pops out, and there's another turnover. Pinzon's just got to look up. Chinecki gets it, doesn't need to dribble, lays it up and in. Bulls have their largest lead. They forced yet another duck misstep or miswaddle, and now the Ducks need a timeout. Playing some fantastic defense, not just letting Oregon set up. They can only come back with threes now. Hurst is not in the game. Pinto puts up a three that went about 80 feet. That's an air ball, and Leverett the other way. Pinzon on the fast break. She's usually the passer. She's the scorer now, and Pinzon has taken over the team lead in scoring. That's amazing. She had four at the break, and now she has 18. Sydney Harvey draws a charge, and the Bulls are going crazy here in Paradise. It's 58-41 to 41 with 5.01 to go. Yep, midway through the fourth quarter, Bulls were up 17. The next five minutes took about 30 actual minutes to play. We're not going to give you many of the highlights. We'll give you a little. Again, we got some Jeff Scott coming up here in a few minutes, and we'll, on tomorrow's show, preview the Stanford game, which will be the next game for women's basketball, at an event that had an interesting start on the men's tournament. Good thing the men went first in Bahamar. They go second here in Atlantis, and boy, is that a loaded field. You see Michigan State and Baylor and Syracuse and UConn and Loyola and Arizona State. Basically, all the teams here are pretty much powers either nationally on the power conference level or at the mid-major level, VCU. So, yeah, that's a pretty good event. I would stick around here, but we're going to move over to the Bahamar. Oh, yeah, the eighth team is Auburn, which, of course, just played the Bulls the other night. I, I would highly suggest starting tomorrow watching those games. It's Michigan State, Loyola, Auburn, UConn on one half. VCU, Syracuse, and Baylor, Arizona State on the other half. So next, it's Stanford on Friday, but of course had to finish up against another Pac-12 team on Monday. Easier said than done. You heard the Pinzon shot that made it a 17-point game. It was the last made field goal of the day for the Bulls. Now, they would only actually get off three attempts in the last few minutes because they turned it over, specifically on a couple of inbounds passes. They fouled Oregon early in shot clock to send them to the free throw line a couple of times. One of the fouls sent Betty Menunga to the bench with her fifth. Betty just two points in this game. Of course, her interior scoring was made up for by Dulcie with her 17 points and seven rebounds. But the Bulls just weren't closing it out. And I'm telling you, if Sidney Parrish, who led the Ducks with 15 points, 7 to 10 shooting, doesn't hit a three to make it 58-44 with about four and a half minutes to go, this game is over, but it just gave them enough hope. And they would take advantage of the Bulls' falterings and here's officially when it got way too interesting. A little bit shaky right now as we near the minute mark. She wants to drive, Leverett on her. Good defense by the Bulls as we hit a minute. Parrish far from the basket, gets a screen, drives on Pinzon. Tough looking shot and it rims in. It's a seven point game. The Bulls can call a timeout and advance the ball here with 56 seconds and they will do that. Now Bermejo looks to get it in and it's a tough pass and it's gonna fly out of bounds unless they say Oregon touched it. They 
They did not. And it's Oregon ball. Boy, that took a long time. So, underneath their own basket, they can't advance it. They cannot advance it. Oregon down by seven, once down by 18, about four minutes ago. Can't foul here if you're the Bulls. Shear lets it roll to her. Harvey tries to pick her up. They're going to go to the baseline and miss, but foul and layup and one. Prince. And now it's a big free throw and a big rebound. If she misses, she makes it. 47 seconds left, and the Bulls will call another timeout and advance the ball. Now 14 to one run. And Bermejo has to get an inbounds. She does to Sydney Harvey. If you're the Ducks, Kelly Graves, why not foul them now? They're feeling the pressure. There's no doubt about this. Sydney Harvey at the free throw line. Up four, 45 seconds. Takes an extra dribble. Makes it. That's a big shot. She was just four, six at the line. But yeah, if you're Oregon now with 45 seconds left, you've got to be thinking three for two or maybe three for one if they miss one. All the Bulls are back on defense. Second free throw rims in. That's big. 61-55. They still haven't made a field goal in their last 425. I don't think they're going to have another chance at a field goal. Sheer, do they go for a quick two bounce pass to Prince? And stolen by Shea Leverett. That's enormous right there. Prince just put her head down. Shea Leverett sticks her hands in and gets a great steal. And better yet, gives it up to Sydney Harvey so she can go back to the free throw line. Heading into the final minute of the game, the Bulls were 5 for 10 at the free throw line, which is not good. They would go 12 for 12. Harvey would make the next two. And then it was Eliza Penzon time. She hits eight free throws in the final 30 seconds. First of all, kudos for her teammates for finding her. Bermejo took over inbounding duties for Mananga, who again had fouled out, did a nice job. Of course, Penzon went to the ball. And it took her from a good scoring night to a career-high scoring night. And she finished off the Ducks and a big win for USF. Yeah, make it 11 straight free throws for USF. Harvey did the honors on the first four, pins on the last seven. See if she can make it 12 in a row. <laughs> pins on just said, it's me. 12 in a row, all in the last 45 seconds. And the Bulls are gonna win this baby. Oregon tries a shot at the buzzer, can't get it. And the Bulls beat the number nine team in the country, Oregon, 71 to 62. It got a little concerning there towards the end. But Elisa Pinzon ends up with 26 points. Always good when you can add eight at the line in the last 45 seconds. Ten assists. And if the voting for the all-tournament team would have actually been held after the game ended, Elisa Pinzon would have been on the all-tournament team. Little behind-the-scenes stuff. UConn and South Carolina played the championship game first, and you knew that Aaliyah Boston had to be the tournament MVP, which she definitely was with her 23-15 and 15 against UConn. Of course, Paige Beckers was on there as well. The bull that got all tournament honors was Elena Chinecki, and that was based on the strength of her leading the way in scoring against UConn. She actually had a rough shooting day in this last one, just two for 15. Pinzon ended up with 24 assists in three games. The Bulls turned over Oregon 25 times. Her career high, 26 points, and oh yeah, Sydney Harvey with 22 points. Four, seven, three-point shooting, and those clutch free throws at the end. So the Bulls, after their issues last Monday night in Knoxville on the offensive glass, held three straight tough opponents to single digits on the offensive glass and almost out-rebounded a much taller Oregon team. The final numbers there was 35 to 34. How about points off turnovers? 28 to 17 advantage. 
bulls. Now, three abjectly, incontrovertibly positive points that I brought up with Jose after the game, but this was, remember, immediately after the game where he was still thinking about the ending. Mind you, when you hear this, he had a smile on his face. Elisa Pinzon, coach, ends up the game with 26 points and 10 assists. Let's start with her and continue with the good performances. Yeah, she made her free throws, but we did everything in our damn power. <laughs> I mean, make it interesting at the end because we didn't. We kept fouling, and when we kept fouling, the clock stopped. Absolutely. Well, thank God for the free throw shooting, coach. You turned them over 25 times. How good was your defense up until the very end there? <laughs> I thought it was pretty solid. I mean, they were at, they were in the 40s. They ended up in the 60s. That shouldn't have happened because we fouled and put them on the free throw line. I know it was a tough ending, but Coach, let me ask you about the importance of what Dulcie did today with her 17 points and showing what she can do. Yeah, I guess she plays good on TV games and not on Internet games. <laughs> By the way, after a 30-minute period, and he got a water shower going into the dressing room from his team. He realized how big of a win it was and said so in the postgame comments. Here's a little medley of the three Bulls, Pinzon, Harvey, and Fankamengiadu. I just think my teammates and coaching and staff, they were always supporting me, telling me to like slow down if we needed to slow down and control the pace. And that's what got me going, that my teammates and my coaches. Um, I think it's been a lot. It means it shows that we can hang with the top 10 teams, like some of the best teams in the country. And it was just been a very, it was physical, but very mental because, you know, three games, three days is hard. So we just had to be locked in. Difficult, this um, tournament was really great for us because like, we had a chance to play really good teams. Me, personally, mentally, I wasn't really there yet, but uh, with some great support from my teammates and my coaches, I finally got where I want to be. I know it's not enough yet. We got a long way to go, but yeah. Even she there admits that, you know, she kind of wasn't up to her standards, but yesterday was big. Finally, one from Oregon coach Kelly Graves, who wasn't happy about the 25 turnovers. Is there anything you could put your finger on as far as a specific cause that, you, you know, concentration, carelessness, what would you think? All of the above. Lack of composure, the whole bit. I don't know if I've ever been involved in a game where my team had 25 turnovers. I've been coaching a long, long time. That's That's sad. Because they don't put enormous pressure on you. They just play good, solid defense. I think a lot of it was just decision-making, poor decision-making, bad passing, bad catching, uh, lack of focus. We just got to do better. So while we were broadcasting the game yesterday, the football radio show was being taped, and I knew what was coming at 6 o'clock when we aired it for the first time. If you want to hear the full hour with not just Jeff Scott, of course they get into the Warren I-4. We'll save some of those comments for tomorrow. But Timmy McLean and A.J. Artis as well. But here's the part specifically on the decision to let go of Glenn Spencer. Biggest thing, you're always uh, evaluating uh, everything within your program, especially uh, where we are here in our second year. And, um, you know, I just really uh, got to a point where uh, I felt like the best thing for us uh, for this coming week and, and for the future was maybe to get a, a, a new voice and, uh, you know, get a, a new leadership over there on the defensive side. You know, Coach Spencer, uh, really appreciate him. Uh, he's a, a great man, really good coach. He spent a, a lot of uh, effort and a lot of time up here uh, really coaching and, and trying to prepare our guys. And and sometimes uh, it works, and sometimes for whatever reason it just doesn't, you know, fit, and uh, you don't get the results that you want. And and um, and so I think it, it just got to the point uh, last week that, you know, I just really felt like uh, I needed to go ahead and, and make that change. Uh, number one, to, to be able to, to help us, um, you know, this week against Central Florida. And then also, uh, number two, it's a very competitive market out there right now for coaches and, and uh, be able to really have this week to be able to maybe just kind of collect some names and, 
and uh, be able to get a plan together uh, starting next week to, to go out and start interviewing uh, coaches for that defense coordinator position. I, I've talked to our defensive staff and decided that I'm going to let uh, Ernie Sims and Daniel DePrada uh, really uh, coordinate our defense um, You know, this week. And, and uh, those, these are two of our, our best coaches that we have on our staff. Uh, they've both done an outstanding job, obviously. Uh, everybody knows about Coach DePrada with the special teams, but uh, he's also in all of our defensive meetings. Uh, he helped uh, Coach Spencer uh, with the safeties and uh, has done a great job there. And then, uh, you know, Ernie Sims is, uh, you know, really uh, an up, up and rising coach. I think he's got a really good career ahead of him. And uh, I just felt like uh, those were uh, two voices that our, our players would really uh, respond to. Um, you know, Coach Sims was a head coach for the spring game and did a really good job in that leadership role. And uh, so, hey, this is a good opportunity for them to, to get some of this experience and really, um, you know, be able to go out and, and put a good plan together uh, that our guys can, can go out and execute and put us in the best position uh, to be able to get a win on Friday. And again, we are replaying that show, I know, on Wednesday at noon, but many other times. So you can check our Twitter page, at Bulls Unlimited, for that. We'll also start to sprinkle in more recent wars on I-4. Yes, we're doing the classic from 2017 as we lead up to Friday afternoon's game. And the uniforms are slick. The USF Football Twitter page put out the latest slime version. It's a white base with the green numerals. The gloves make the war on I-4 trophy shape if you put them up together. And, oh yeah, the helmet. The stripe has all the names of the 1997 team and the RoboBull logo. And oh yeah, UCF's black helmets, which they've never worn, are cool as well. So tomorrow will be our last show of the week. We'll give you some more Jeff Scott from today's press conference. We'll also preview tomorrow night's men's basketball game. And again, early preview of Friday's game for the women against Stanford at the Bahamar event that they're really not a part of. They're just playing a one-off game. We'll explain. The men's event started yesterday. Interesting fashion. We'll go more into it on the conference show tomorrow. But Tulane's game had a four-hour delay because of a leaky roof and they had to finish in a convention center and they won in overtime. So hopefully the roof will be fixed well by today, but definitely by Friday when the women play Stanford. That's going to do it for the Tuesday Bulls Beat. Thanks for listening. I'm Derek Sharp.